it's over 9,000! Welcome, Super Elite Warriors, to Final Forum, a podcast for the discussion of all things Dragon Ball. I am your host, Jelly, an elite recruiting member of the Frieza Force, on a mission to find the best warriors from across the galaxy to join the greatest army of all time. And I am joined, as always, by my new recruit co-host. This is the Bikini. Welcome back, everyone. Your insistence on your continued existence is becoming a chore. Chore? I feel like the extent to which you've been comically missing encountering me is the chore. First, there was a time I saw you in the quarters. When was this? The evening after we finished recording our last episode. Huh. I did feel as though someone was watching me, but I doused the lights and snuck into bed. My scouter wasn't handy, so I couldn't scan the room to confirm I was alone. But it was kind of fun to pretend to be a kid again and seek safety under the sheets. You use sheets? Doesn't every civilized being? Well, yeah, but you look... sticky. I wouldn't want to change your sheets. I wouldn't either, but that's for a totally different reason, if you know what I mean. Uh, oh god, I hope I never find out. Anyway, uh, then there was this morning uh, right after that when I tried to hail you as you were greeting the reconstruction crew that had arrived to assist with rebuilding efforts here. Oh, yeah. I I heard your chattering nagging in the back of my brain, but uh, I need to be able to pass a psyche valve before being cleared for active duty, and I can't be seen talking to myself. Is that why you're broadcasting while locked in your quarters? You know, if you just come outside, you'd see me and you could prove your sanity. I do wish my subconscious weren't, for whatever reason, so convinced I deserve to be caught and removed from active duty. Isn't you broadcasting this to the entire cosmos, admitting that you think you're insane? Which is far worse than just stepping outside and maybe having a construction worker see you looking around? Shh. All the listeners out there think this is a bit. It'll be great for ratings. Ratings? Do we even have ratings? We should. Our episodes always end with us telling our listeners to rate, review, and share the episodes around. But what if nobody listens to the endings of our episodes because they know it's a canned outro? Well, good thing I'm shamelessly plugging for some good ratings and reviews right now, then. For fledgling podcasts like ours, they really help a lot. Isn't this like our 30th episode? Didn't we battle one another to the death? How are we fledgling? 
For all I know, with how this gets partitioned out by the Frieza Force communications team, this is our 50th episode, or our 500th, or, or our 5th. But that's not the point. And speaking of episodes, let's get away from this shameless shilling and avoidance of my own insanity and delve into this week's topic of discussion. And this week, uh, we will be wrapping up the general blue saga arc whatever you want to call it which is sort of the the anime considers it a full arc it's sort of a mini arc within this general larger bit of goku dealing with the red ribbon army as a whole so the red ribbon army isn't going anywhere but this is kind of sort of the last we'll see of General Blue. We're going to wrap up our last couple episodes, which is our crossover with Dr. Slump, which we talked about somewhat extensively in the last episode uh, in terms of who some of those characters are and the importance of the crossover and how that crossover differs from what might happen were a crossover like that to take place today. We got a little cynical and nasty <laughs> as as things happen when discussing the... That's probably not going to get better. <laughs> when you're discussing the content machine that is the world of filmmaking in 2022 and beyond. I, I just dated us. We're, this episode probably won't come out until 2023. <laughs> whoops oh no whoops <laughs> today we'll be putting a bow on it and we'll delve into the manga and do our usual comparison of the manga to the anime wrap up finish it off and get moving on to our next topic we have two episodes of the anime this is strange visitor and arale versus blue which is episodes 56 and 57 where we left off with 55 is blue and goku both essentially crashing into penguin village and we get the the sort of intro to the oh here's going to be a crossover arc uh so episode 56 begins with goku continuing to pursue blue blue has escaped from the wreckage of his plane and he's now on the lam goku in turn is pursued by arale who wants to have a ride on kito because why not it's cool right we then cut to blue running into what looks to be like a a very short businessman turns out to be a superhero called Superman, which in Japanese means like Sour Man. I'm not really sure where the name comes from. I'm not super familiar with Dr. Slump, uh, but uh, I just say I'm just going to say <laughs> calm down, DC lawyers. He's legally distinct. This is not a, uh, a copyright issue. It's something where he like, I don't know if he gains his powers or just one of the gags or whatever is that he eats a lot of prunes or something. I think it's just the prunes that, that being a gag. Honestly. Yeah. Because, like, as as uh, evidenced in the, the episode, like, he doesn't actually have any superpowers. <laughs> and Blue immediately shows that he is superior. And uh, this guy immediately just, you know, rolls over and shows his belly, essentially. Then we have another cut to get a look at the fascist police state that is Penguin Village with cops enforcing speed limits on people who are only going three kilometers an hour over the speed limit. It's a little totalitarian for my taste <laughs> these characters this this i forgot the woman's name and the cop get introduced to uh goku through arale they also decide that they want to ride on kinto un but obviously as we are now familiar we get a couple more pratfalls they can't 
ride on Gitoon because they're not pure of heart. However, Goku does inform them that somebody from the Red Ribbon Army is in the village, and the cop immediately is scared and decides to run for backup at the first mention of real fascists. Then we cut again. There's a lot of cuts in this episode. It is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, we then cut again to a very concerning scene between Blue and what appears to be a child, where he declares <laughs> the kid is, quote, his type, and then, like, tries to move in to kiss him and is interrupted, thank God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. His further advances offering to, to buy this kid dinner and put him in really pretty clothes are also rebuffed, and the kid just runs off to go continue doing what he was doing. Blue gets huffy, starts calling him names, um, but then the cops show up, uh, the original cop and a couple other guys that are back up. They run into Blue, and they have a good old-fashioned fash-off, which they lose entirely, and then Blue decides to take their car as the most fascist person in town, I guess. <laughs> Goku and Raleigh find the, the, the carless cops who point them in the direction of Blue. Unfortunately, Goku blows right by him on Kinto and doesn't even see him because, you know, Blue's pretty tricky. He's pulling the old uh, speed trap technique, uh, hiding, hiding the car in the bush so you don't see it until you've already gone by. <laughs> Unfortunately, once he sees Goku fly by, he decides that he's going to make a move pulls out into the road and the car immediately gets body slammed by Arale who accidentally sends it halfway across. I think they're on an Island, right? Penguin village. Yeah. We're never really Penguin sure where yeah, it's not really ever expressly stated, but I say he sends him halfway across the Island. At this point, I should probably mention these Gachan guys. They're like these two little twins, like cherubs with little angel wings and overalls like to eat metal. Apparently. So they they end up eating the cop car, and then Arali scares off Blue by simply being a girl and then waving turds in his face, yeah. which sends him running. Gachans and Arale reunite with Goku, who's been uselessly searching the island when he remembers, oh, I have the dragon radar, and I can just track Blue if it wasn't broken. So the kids go in search of the doctor, as Arale calls him, to fix the dragon radar and hopefully be able to track Blue. When they get to the doctor's house, he inspects the radar only to find that it's very technically advanced. And then he has like a mild heart attack slash midlife crisis on discovering that this radar was created by a girl. Fun fact, the doctor's house is also where Blue is headed because the doctor also owns the only plane nearby. So he's you know planning to hijack the plane and fly off with it. He's trying to fix the radar, and he's at the end of his rope trying to figure out how this thing works. He has no idea. Fortunately for him, there's a floating baby nearby who easily understands what the dragon radar is and magically fixes it with telepathy, I guess. This means Goku now has a working dragon radar, and almost as if this was written in the stars by, by some sort of omnipotent force, uh, Blue turns up at the doctor's house. Uh, right as the radar is fixed, which leads to Goku and Arale unwittingly chasing Blue around the doctor's house, cornering him almost in the bathroom and then eventually finding him inside the refrigerator. Yeah, so they find him in the refrigerator and then he decides to take Arale hostage. But Goku seems to be the only person who is bothered by this. When the hostage taking doesn't seem to be effective on anybody, Blue goes back to his old standby of using his paralysis technique. And then... Goku ends up getting saved by the doctor who tells Arale to play pro wrestling with Blue. Um, and then she just like drop kicks him 
miles away, headbutts him a few times, and then he ends up in Egypt of all places. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does get away with the dragon radar. Uh, Arale didn't get that back from him, but this is just like a weird crossover storyline, so we can't let it affect the plot too much. So Magic Baby just makes another dragon radar out of the airplane, and that's basically where the episodes end. Yeah. So thank God that's over. What a fever dream. There's there's a lot of fun stuff in there though, right? Though like there is there's a lot of good stuff in there, but there was a lot of like really disturbing stuff in here too. Yeah. So it should we talked I I think we talked about the the general blue thing in our general blue episode where we talked about him being drawn as a or written as a, a homosexual character and as yeah. a caricature of one. We might have talked about it, but it bears repeating, I think, that that scene with him and the little boy is exclusive to the anime. Yes. It is. Sure. It, it was not written by Toriyama, so th- that, that, bears, that bears mentioning. And also, the English language adaptation was smart enough to realize that that was a step too far, <laughs> even though... <laughs> Even though, uh, you know, he is a villainous character, and so maybe portraying a villainous character as a p- possible pederast is not the, you know, the worst decision in the entire world. But uh, the English language version has him think that the little boy is his long lost, like, dead brother, Samuel. <laughs> it doesn't jive completely with the visuals you're seeing on the screen at all times but at least you know he's constantly like Samuel I thought you were dead and oh Samuel oh thank goodness and it's it's still got that same kind of creepy effect but it's less uh uncomfortable I guess it's it was super uncomfortable when I was watching this episode I was like oh wow I had completely forgotten I think I think originally I had skipped over these episodes because it's a crossover. I was like, well, I don't really know Dr. Slump. It doesn't really affect the storyline. I can probably just skip it. Right. Having having watched it, and, and it's a little bit of a fever dream in some spots. Yeah, that, that scene in particular, I was just kind of uh, <laughs> taken off guard <laughs> by that. I was like, wow, okay, they really went for it, apparently. Yeah. There's, like, notes and stuff that, that I no longer remember but i i kind of was researching a little bit about like sour man and where the name comes from and the gotchans and where their names come from like uh i think there was like a weird like their real name is like a combination of the names gamera and godzilla or something and and just to get that mentioned in 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 every single episode we have absolutely gotta have every episode (laughs) but i actually think that's like a thing with them we will potentially do some Dr. Slump episodes in the future. So I'd rather save a deeper dive on, on that stuff for them. It's interesting though, when Aureli jumps on the cloud that she's able to jump on Nimbus because back when we talked about Nimbus, it, yes, it judges your heart and the purity of the heart, but what it's weighing actually is like the value of your soul. The implication then that despite being an android, Aureli has a soul. I feel like this is the uh, the Mjolnir on an elevator thing, right? <laughs> or or Vision picking up Mjolnir. I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. 
like what's what it, what more weightless a soul than not having a soul really so you're right? saying your argument is she's not worthy because because Goku because the dragon radar isn't worthy uh <laughs> <laughs> no I'm I'm what I'm saying is if it doesn't if like if it's weighing your soul like the sins of your soul how much lighter can you be than not having a soul yeah so she's a glorified tool <laughs> I mean you know within reason obviously she has like a, a <laughs> something of a personality um, which is surprisingly similar to Goku honestly I do like the part with her waving the poop stick in Blue's face that part was just fun yeah <laughs> like I, look it's some poop I like the just for fun mashup like they they do it again they bring Rayleigh back in an episode of Super but yeah, I mean, the 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 unfortunate stuff with the little kid is 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 real bad. It's real yeah, bad. It's pretty bad. Um, and yeah, if you, if you don't know anything about Doctor Slump, there are a lot of things in this that like don't you just you you just go way past your head. And and I feel like that's a lot of what watching this is. Although I do like the guy. There's also the whole the whole part where like the one character keeps showing up and like scene after scene after scene after scene and smiling at the camera and they're like what are you and like finally someone is like what are you doing and he's like oh i just haven't been around for a long time so i wanted to get in as much as i could (laughs) i don't know who that character is but i'm assuming it's a character who is around in like the early parts of dr slump and then not as much later on that's pretty good and then and then he's like, yeah, I just wanted to get in. Like that's that's a pretty good pretty good moment. And there's a lot of little little cool stuff with this. So moving on to uh, some of the other notes I got here. Goku. Uh, this kind of goes back to the uh, the city arc because we're compared. Yeah, to now the we're now so we're. It's, uh, so it's, I think it's a little bit more squished together in the. That's manga. a bow. That's a bow on the on the anime, right? I mean, yeah. So. These are a couple fun crossovers. That's the end of General Blue, though. Interesting that that Aurelia is the one who takes out Blue and not Goku. Well, he does show up next episode. Yeah, and the episode after he shows up in the next two episodes. Yeah, uh, but they're he, they're like really small parts. He is finally actually defeated, but that's more or less the end of the General Blue arc. It ends with a crossover, which is. That's a u- that's a unique decision, <laughs> right? <laughs> Here, let's let's end an arc with a crossover episode. Okay, mm-hmm. well that's that, I've never seen that before. So yeah, going back to the the part of the arc where where Goku gets to the city where Bulma lives, that's a little bit more chaotic and rushed. Uh, he's it's a little bit more about throwing him into the city quickly. I think it plays a little bit more off of his uh, confusion and that sort of sense of fish out of water feelings because this is so different from what Goku's been through. And he's thrust into the midst of things a little bit faster and not eased in quite as much. So you, it, it, it kind of captures more of that hustle and bustle of like what a major city would feel like. In the manga, there's this funny little error. Uh, Goku has the money in his hand in the same panel where the Bruce Lee lookalike martial artist gets or, or starts begging for mercy. They jumped the gun on that one a little bit, yeah. but we'll allow it. Goku only knows Bulma's first name. Uh, luckily, being named after bloomers or underwear is pretty uncommon, but not entirely unique. 
as there are a total of three Balmas in, in that city. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'd be like your friend is named. Well, that's a bad example, I guess. I was gonna say your friend is named Jacques, but there's tons of people named Jacques. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Brief is a little bit more inappropriate in the manga. He teases Bulma and asks if she and Goku are going to go to her room and make out, which is a little weird. It but is. I I mean I've I've had my parents make bad jokes like that before, so it's not yeah. entirely out of the realm of possibility. And he just seems like a more like a dirty old man. You know, yeah, it's like that, that's yeah, definitely. It, we talked about that when we talked about Roshi too, about how like old men who hang around with young kids are just always seen as dirty old men in Japan. <laughs> and so yeah, in the manga, Doctor Brief just plays into that stereotype. A but little bit more. Between that and, and blue in the anime, should I be worried about 80s Japanese culture? What is going on over there? I mean, we talked about some of that already, right? <laughs> so the answer is kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, next thing I got here is rather than ask Yamcha as she does in the anime, uh, Bulma's mom, still only called Bulma's mom, never given a true name in either version, uh, says she should join Goku and Bulma on their adventure so she can find a guy. Implies that either Bulma's mom and dad aren't either aren't married or they're in some kind of open relationship, I guess, or she just straight up wants to leave him. I'm not really sure how to take <laughs> it at this point. They talk about like both of them talk about it. Cause she, he says something at one point about like, uh, wish for a girl for me or something. And she's like, dad, That's you have right. mom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think that kind of either leans toward like this is this is uh this marriage is still continuing just for convenience or <laughs> they have an open relationship I guess I don't I I have no idea I got another point here of this this one was this one's fun because I think it it dates us a little bit but there's a lot of discussion about faxing things now for our younger viewers out there faxing was this archaic method of communication we folks used to use back in the 90s sort of like email and for our very young viewers out there email was kind of like texting but slower <laughs> faxing was done via a fax machine kind of like a copy machine and it would send a picture of the page that you put on the scanner through a phone line to another fax machine. Now, back to our very young viewers, a phone line <laughs> are those things on telephone poles hanging around your neighborhood. People used to have them connected to their homes, and there would be a phone inside the home connected to that wire. Yes. <laughs> fax was like, when I joined the workforce, fax was just starting to be significantly phased out. But there was still a lot of use of facts. I still see it on a regular basis. A regular basis? I mm -hmm. still get faxes from like one customer and I am always like, who faxes anything? <laughs> Breaking character for a second here, where I actually work is uh, our, our health system. Uh, we have like a health office. Because I, I work in a factory, and they still use faxes for like communicating between them and like other doctors' offices in the area, in case they need to like refer somebody out to one of those places. It blows my mind that faxes still used. <laughs> you they're know, they're like... still they're still as far as I know they're still used quite a bit in like healthcare. 
it's and mind-boggling. It really is. Yeah, and that's that's why you'll hear like politicians push for like funding to modernize healthcare. That's that's why because we're like they a lot of places still use like paper files, fax machines, things like that. Yeah, I still get faxes from like one customer in my real job who will fax purchase orders over and I every once in a while we'll have like POs from them dropped onto my desk and it's like it you know came over by fax and I'm like who even checks the fax machine <laughs> I'm surprised you guys have a fax machine for like one customer it probably sits in a corner and just has <laughs> never been disconnected everyone keeps forgetting that it's there and occasionally just kicks on and burps out a paper and <laughs> someone goes and picks it up it's faxing is so bizarre, like in in modern times, right? Because I mean, everything that you these days, I would say, it has to be close to seventy five percent of what you would fax is exists electronically in the first place, right? Like people yeah. would people would fax purchase orders or quotes or. Uh, requests for quote or things like they would call you and they would say, Hey, I'm going to fax this over to you. And then like, you'd go stand by the fax machine and wait for it to come through. <laughs> I don't know if you're, um, I, I'm sure you're probably familiar, but with the, the trope of like sitting on a copy machine with your bare ass and yeah. making copies of it. I saw somebody do that with a fax machine once. <laughs> I don't know who they were sending it to, but they just, I watched him sit right there on the fax machine and sit, <laughs> Okay, I I didn't see this. I'm just gonna go back out the door I came in now. <laughs> but so so at least seventy five percent of anything that you would fax exists digitally in the first place. Gotta be another like of the re- of the remaining twenty five percent. Ninety nine percent of that could easily be taken. Like you could take a picture of it with your cell phone and any one of various like PDF creation or scanner apps. Yeah, and then text it or email it to someone from there. <laughs> like that, people yeah. still fax things is it's mind boggling. But yeah, that's that's what a fax machine is, kids. Now now get off our lawn. It's a, it's a relic. You know the one thing I never did have though, I never had a pager for professional purposes. Oh, I or, never had either. Or improfessional, improfessional, casual, whatever. I never had a pager ever. Yeah, I never had a never had a pager. Never had a beeper. Uh, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in college. Me too. And uh, now they're everywhere. Yes, yes. And cell phones also were like when I got them, they were like twenty bucks. Because, like, all they were phones. <laughs> like, yeah, that's all they did. That that was literally all they did. Calling and then, like, maybe texting. Yeah, and you had to hit the number multiple times. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had to turn – I had to figure out how to turn off the sound it would make when you hit the button on the phone. Because, I like, trying to text that way. Beep, 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 beep. It was driving everybody – like, it drives everybody nuts having to hear that. It was slightly easier to text without looking at your phone, though. That is true. I never quite mastered that though. So, anyways, back to back, back to back, dra- on topic. Back, back to Dragon Ball. <laughs> so, I'm reading the the Viz Bigs as I've mentioned before. Uh, I think I mentioned this during the Tenkaichi Budokai that I had to have two volumes handy. That is the case again here. I needed volumes two and three handy for reading this. 
So this this portion of the story takes place across two different volumes. But in the Visbig version, Dr. Brief's name is translated as Briefs with the S, which we discussed in our episode where we met him in the anime and how it should be brief. But also we say Briefs because we are filthy Philistines, or at least I am. So Yeah, I am too. I'll I probably toggle that. back and forth between that on that character. I generally say Dr. Briefs. There's a cool splash page in the Visbig version uh, that says, We interrupt this boring story for an exciting announcement. General Blue is coming. Again, this is probably one of those weird layout things, but it's just interesting whenever this happens because it's so tongue-in-cheek and it feels at home, right? Because it feels like the kind of humor or joke that Toriyama would go for. And yet... Yeah. you. I always wonder just how much of a liberty is being taken here because Toriyama doesn't plan these things out. And if you read American comics, like I do from time to time, you know there's a tendency to put full-page ads for other things in the middle of an issue. So these pages were probably just ads originally. Um, As someone who's never seen an original Shonen Jump manga from the 80s, I have no idea, but that's my assumption. I think that's a pretty good guess, honestly. And then uh, continuing along, Goku calls the sea turtle Seat Hurdle, which is another potentially odd translation thing that's done for a punny joke rather than uh, being true to the translation. The art, once we get into the scuba diving stuff, is really, really well done. I thought that like was just really pretty looking. Agreed. And then... I had some notes on the covers. Um, Going back to the last time we talked about the manga, the cover of chapter 59 is where we see the layout of Muscle Tower that shows what sorts of fighters were on each floor. You know, it shows like general infantry on the first floor and then commanders or something like that on the second floor, which is where Goku actually enters the tower. That's the the cover of chapter 59. Um, The cover of chapter 64... It's got a funny little joke. It's got our Dragon Ball characters watching Dragon Ball on TV. And nice. then and then the cover of Chapter 66 has like a weird bunch of game boards on it and like a maze. And uh, it's got like a cross. It looks like a crossword puzzle and a maze. Two mirrored images that I almost wonder if they are try to find the minor differences in these two images. Oh, one of those like compare contrast little puzzles that kids have in like coloring books and stuff. Yeah. And then there's like one one part of it that's just a whole bunch of Japanese text and I'm guessing that's either instructions, although I don't think it's instructions. What I think it is is cuz there's a part there's like the letter A, the 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 what do you call our sim- symbols in, in English like the English letter A? Sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm sure it's like one of the, like, like, because our numbers are Arabic numbers, right? You know, so. Yeah. But anyways, so it's got like the English letter A and then the crossword puzzle and then the English letter B and the maze and the English letter C and this mirrored images thing and then the English letter D and then a whole bunch of Japanese text that I can't read because I'm not Japanese. And I'm guessing that is probably like some kind of a word puzzle or something like that. I don't know what all this stuff means. If I end up coming across it at some point, we will talk about it further. I just thought it was an interesting and fun, different type of thing. 
What? As what, opposed to Toriyama uh, dry, drawing a flying car. Funny line when the Red Ribbon Army invade Roshi's island and the commander has a gun held to launch his head and Roshi shouts out, shoot, wait, I mean, darn. <laughs> <laughs> which which I think is, is uh, uh, I think that joke was also used in um, uh, Austin Powers. I might be wrong. Hmm. Something that, it, that seems like like it would fit. It's you're like tickling the back of my brain here. Neurons that haven't fired in like 10, 15 years. <laughs> They've been long dormant and trying to wake them up. So the RRA commander, the short fat guy who's supposed to be like Goebbels, uh, says, hurry, hurry, Mach Schnell, which kind of just drives the Nazi connection home a little bit. While wandering through the pri- pirate tunnels, Bulma tells Krillin, your head shiny. You take the lead, which that's just practical, honestly. Red Ribbon Army falling into the arrow trap is played much more for laughs in the manga than in the anime. Uh, in the anime, it happens, and Blue comments that his forces have been wiped out, and then he just looks for a way around the booby trap. In the manga, one of the soldiers with an arrow in his head, and therefore dead, manages to somehow tell Blue, sir, there are no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> I think in, uh, the, in the anime, if there's a line about it in the anime, it's it's almost like... It's like, oh, we've been attacked. It's not like, oh, hey, sir, we're all dead. You know? Yeah, it's it's like them exclaiming that they're dying as opposed to like a dude like perforated with arrows coming back to the commander going, we're all dead, sir. <laughs> we know the anime has filler, even when it's hewing pretty close to the manga. And while the octopus stuff is more surprisingly not filler, part where they almost fall into lava and see all the skulls is filler. And it's interesting because we... We commented uh, last time we talked about this, how the part was really well animated. It brings up the question, like, did the anime crew put more effort into the things they created versus those that they were just adapting? And I, I thought about this a little bit more. I think I might have a an explanation for this. I'm interested. I'm curious. I wonder if the clip with them falling through the floor and almost falling in the lava was maybe used for advertisement. Hmm. And they wanted to put a high-quality clip out there for advertisement. That's possible because it because it kind of gives that that feeling of like oh it's like an adventure you're you're you know there's danger, um, but our heroes always manage to narrowly escape type thing. Boy, and even so if it wasn't intended to be used that way, you almost wonder they just would have used it after the fact because oh that part's that part looks good. Use that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> legitimately, it looked really good. The robot fight in the manga is a little longer than anticipated as we commented during the episode of the anime that it seems to sort of drag on. It just felt like they were padding time. There's some filler, like the moments in the control room, and then the other bits and pieces like Bulma using a cannon to try and shoot the robot. Not quite as much as you might have thought. Yeah, I noticed I noticed that. Yeah, like they they do that part in the anime where they find like the controller of the robot or whatever, and he's dead. He's like a skeleton. Yeah. That's not in the manga, that's in the anime only, but, like, other than that, there is, like, they do fight up the building and all that stuff. There's there's not yeah as much filler. And then the, also... The racing back and forth, I think, is part of it, too. Yeah. And then also in the anime, there's this implication that Bulma shooting the cannon is what leads to the cave collapse. But in the manga, the cave losing its integrity is much more tied to Goku destroying the robot itself. It's a shift of the blame, and I I don't know which one I prefer. I kind of like it being Goku and sort of foreshadowing unintentionally, I'm sure, for things that happen decades later where Goku's lack of forethought sometimes leads to the crew into like bigger issues than maybe they could have faced. But it also makes maybe a little bit more sense if it's like 
someone wildly firing a cannon haphazardly as opposed and like accidentally hitting some pillar or whatever as opposed to just like a robot blowing up in the middle of a cave yeah i me personally i think it makes more sense to have bulma do it because it's more her personality to panic in a high stress situation like this and it's it, it makes more sense for unintentional consequences to come from somebody panicking in the situation i think yeah but it's I mean that's like a pretty nitpicky thing honestly. Right. So in the in the manga when we get into this like part where blue tricks Goku into following the arrow the wrong direction in my translation in the Vizbig translation after Goku follows the wrong way arrow blue pokes his head from around the corner and says like a ton of bricks. What? Do you do you <laughs> trick do you trick tons of bricks? I'm confused about this line. I don't I don't get it. I'm wondering if maybe the intended translation was like a, a box of rocks, implying like he's dumb like a box of rocks. Or is it like he fell for it like a ton of bricks? But I, like tons of bricks also don't really fall <laughs> like. Or they shouldn't anyways. If they do. You've got a problem. It's a weird. I don't I don't know what that line means. I'm I'm going to stick with my explanation. I think that was a mistranslation, and I think the <laughs> the idea is supposed to be like a box of rocks. So the manga, as we mentioned, it makes it much more explicit that Blue is gay. Uh, we we mentioned that before the 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 part where the part where Bulma tries to seduce Blue, and he's like, "Oh, you're gross. You're a girl." In the and then in the anime, she's she says something like. I forget what she says in the anime. She says, you know, oh, what if we kissed or whatever? And he's like, and he basically says, like, you better stop wasting my time. And is like his head grows huge for that. And he gets very angry yeah. and she like runs away in the manga. She, he's like, oh, you're gross. Like, get away from me. And she goes, what if I secretly told you I was a guy? <laughs> and then he says, that would make you a freak. And who oh boy, <laughs> that's who. Oh. <laughs> Oh boy, the '80s were a different time. Yeah, that's a there's a lot to unpack there. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't just, like it either. Just leave it at that, maybe, and just say uh, I consider myself an ally, and uh, I don't so care. If we, for if we that. talk about this, if we talk about this anymore, Deborah might get angry. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's a that's a abridged joke, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, you know, we've talked about that before. The the it's a it's a product of a different time that doesn't. It's one of those things of like it doesn't excuse it, but it's important to acknowledge it. I think you know, it's. I think it's a, important to acknowledge to to highlight like how how far we've come since then. Yeah, and I think like we talked about when we talked about the episode about blue. It's pretty important, I or I think it shows at least some progression in the mindset of the people who are behind the sh behind the 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 franchise these days. That you have a character like Weiss who is very effeminate in a lot of ways, and certainly some of that is played for laughs to an extent. And I think more the laughs is just like he seems so unassuming, and yet he's so insanely powerful. That's more the laugh than, you know, oh, he likes pretty things necessarily. 
I think it's important that or, or shows a sign of pro- progress and progression that you have that character and he's never ridiculed for his, you know, more effeminate qualities. He's never it shows that there has been an understanding of some of this stuff not being okay. Yeah. Continuing along, Goku does his rock, paper, scissors thing and you know, says rock, but hits blue with the scissors and blues like, you said it'd be rock. Uh, and I love this moment because he, he essentially pulled the bait and switch on Goku earlier, but then when it happens to him, it's suddenly unfair, which I mean, you know, that's what fascists do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I liked your, your discussion of the, the, <laughs> you know, he runs away from the fat, from the real fascist. And I was like, Oh, just like fascists would. <laughs> <laughs> so who's it the was, real it was, fascist <laughs> it was a it, there's a there's some fun little subtext in there if you really uh, look for it bulma at one point in the manga says she doesn't want to die because she hasn't had her first kiss yet poor yamcha i guess oh, that guy hasn't even like kissed her and she's already like ruining his life they were they were like dating at the end of like the last time we kind of saw them right yeah, yeah. Well, and, so I think I I think this like ties into the idea that dating in especially for for what Bulma's age would be, which I think is like 15, 16, right? Yeah. Yeah, and this is a pretty co- common trope in a lot of anime that the that uh boys and girls of that age when they start dating like they don't like even holding hands is like, "Oh, oh, oh, that's a major thing. We can't <laughs> we can't just hold hands." So, I mean, like it kind of it kind of makes sense in that context, I think. But yeah, it's still a little bit like, really? Like you didn't, you didn't do anything with Yamcha? <laughs> Although that's a, that's a peek into the mind of Toriyama too, right? Because he always says he's a very traditional person, right? Like, yeah, um, that's true. Dis- despite him seeming, you know, a little bit progressive in some of the things he writes, um, you know, like he made his made or. I guess maybe they chose together that his wife would stop working when she got married because it's like the traditional thing to do in Japan. So when it comes yeah. to matters of the heart, Toriyama is a fairly traditional guy. And then when Bulma pulls the diamond out of her pocket, if you will. Good phrasing. <laughs> Krillin gives it a, a good little sniff. A, ha, ha, ha. B, Krillin's, so terrible. Got, Krillin's don't got a nose. <laughs> I think, I think this confirms that Krillin is is the true disciple of Master Roshi. <laughs> Goku may be the strongest student, but Krillin is the true disciple. Krillin was the one who paid the most attention. <laughs> That's right. And then, like later on, there's uh, when Blue ties them all up and 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 is going to set the bomb off. But right before that, like when when Bulma pulls the diamond out. What is it, isn't there a line too where Krillin says like, "Oh, I didn't even see the bulge" or something like? Yeah, or, it's. Or does it's he say, really... "I saw a bulge and I thought it was something else"? So, he says something, right? It's it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not great. But so launch pops up and she's like, "I'll take that," and it's like it's evil launch. So like evil launch has just been hanging around this whole time, being friendly with Roshi. Yeah, that seems a little out of character. I'm wondering if this is one of, if it was just like a, a 
I guess, ease of, of writing situation there. Maybe. Didn't want to didn't want to show her actually sneezing. Yeah, or <laughs> it might save him a couple panels. Yeah. Blue, when he's stealing the diamond and everything, he says, Afita Shang, which is, you know, again, just driving that Nazism home. One of the co- one of the covers, I think, I think it's one of the covers. And let me see if I can find out which one it is just by glancing real quick. It's pretty cool. It's got Aureli and Goku in swapped clothing. Nice. It's a cool illustration. And if it's not one of the covers... It's one of those things that was in one of those like random kind of uh, splash pages. Oh no, it's 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 the cover of chapter eighty three. Has Goku wearing a hat that says Goku, and with the wings on it, and he's got like little suspenders on. And Aureli is wearing his gi and riding on Kintoon with the with the power pole across her back. So it's kind of a fun. Show you know swapping those two characters in that way. I also think there's another illustration of it though, maybe on one of those weird little splash pages. Don't see it offhand, just flipping through. But yeah, no, it's so in the Vizbig version, it is right right before chapter eighty one, which is the chapter that's all in color, that's in Penguin Village, that's like the bulk of the crossover. Yeah. It it has Goku standing there wearing a hat that says Aureli. So it's like a literal swap of clothing. Ah. So I just thought those were cool little little illustrations, just those these two characters that are very similar in, in swapped clothing. I that kind of stuff is just always kind of fun to me. Speaking of, of Aureli really quick, there was something I had noticed in the anime that I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up because it seems like it's a little nitpicky, but um she is the most barrel-chested toddler I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that girl is about as wide as she is tall in the anime. It's really – I don't know if it's because of the shirt or whatever, but it was just weird to see her – like Goku walking in profile and then Arale walking behind him in profile, and she's like twice as wide as he is. <laughs> I wonder if it's just different – style like his like it kind of shows you how Toriyama's drawing style has gotten a little better over the years you know I mean even like when you look at like chapter 83 right Mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking at right now uh like everything about the art is is already vastly improved over the first couple chapters yeah and not, I'm not saying like the first couple chapters were ugly because I don't think they were. I think they look pretty good. But you can really see him starting to come into his own as far as his art style is concerned. Things like the line work and everything look super crisp and clean. He's very like the 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 his consistency with the characters between panels and stuff is is improved in my opinion. It just it looks really good, and I we know it's going to get better looking from here. But you can already see huge improvements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had just a final note that the the crossover just seemed a lot more self-aware in the manga, that it was a crossover and like characters talk about it being a crossover and, you know, they talk about trying to make sure they get an appearance in and things like that. Just seemed like a little more often in the manga than in the anime. The anime is trying and that's. 
there was a, a a note pointed out in in Dragon Ball Culture, the the Derek Padula book, as I was reading it, that said like if you pay close attention, the anime has them kind of travel through like a vortex almost to get to mm-hmm. uh, to get to Penguin Village, whereas the manga just kind of has them show up a little bit more, and it's the anime trying to justify the existence of a Dr. Slump crossover. Whereas the manga is just like, no, we're just doing it for fun. You know, like, yeah, I got so you. the, the anime is trying to bring the style of Dragon Ball, I think a bit more to Dr. Slump. Whereas the manga is trying to just drop a couple of Dr. Slump chapters into Dragon Ball. If that makes sense. <laughs> he, he he probably had like a couple of pages from Dr. Slump chapters that never got released. And it was just like, <laughs> I haven't used them yet. So let's just, uh, you know, let's just, you know, edit a few things, put Goku and blue in there. And uh, there we go. I saves myself some time and effort. So back when we first started talking about general blue, I mentioned that this was possibly my least favorite stuff. Okay. I don't think that opinion has changed much. I think this. Um, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. There's there's parts of it that I would say I maybe like a little bit better, like the Doctor Slump crossover maybe works a little bit better for me. Getting some of the context and and seeing some of the art and the way that pops and how that looks like it, those were some really important moments to Toriyama to kind of. Dragon Ball was taking off on its own and becoming this huge, huge thing that was going to be way more popular than Dr. Slump ever ever was. And for him, in Dr. Slump was popular, by the way. And for him to kind of give a little rub to the characters that kind of got him where he is, is nice to be able for him, for him to be able to do that and do that kind of on his own terms, right? Yeah, and it, it's also kind of nice, like, for his longtime fans, too, to just kind of get a nod of, like, hey, remember this? Yeah, and and you know to to pick up a little more a little more readily on the the Nazism and you know the the callbacks to Joseph Gables and stuff like that like that all is good stuff. But I preferred my existence in general when I thought that Blue was just a very effeminate character and like the general joke was that he's a strong warrior but also just likes pretty things as opposed to then finding out that it's because he's gay and that he and, <laughs> and, the, and that the joke is that he's gay <laughs> and and a possible peterist yes which that that really tanked my opinion on on this story arc i was just like oh god overall like outside of that one very ugly bit of information um i i did like the crossover i thought it was fun uh i liked the how the tone shifts to more of like a a a gag manga uh when all once all these characters are are brought into the story as far as the ocean stuff i thought it ran me personally i thought it ran a little long i thought it wasn't very compelling probably the most exciting part was them trying to escape the the cave system before it collapses in on them mm-hmm. but like nothing before that really really piqued my interest i didn't find blue all that compelling compared to some of the previous villains and some of the ones that were going to come up against very sh- very very soon yeah it's it just kind of i think the whole general blue arc for me is just sort of middling at best yeah and it it doesn't seem to move thing like the arc as a whole 
doesn't seem to move things along very much, right? Yeah. We're still dealing with the Red Ribbon Army. We've really just kind of ramped it up a notch, but not even really. I feel like it gets ramped up way more in the next round. You know, it, it it's a bit of a stagnant batch of episodes and manga. Like, it, it, it doesn't progress things as much as the arc before it or after it, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and I, I wonder if maybe the crossover might be the reason for this pacing issue because he's looking for a way to sort of bring this into the story. And instead of what's been typical up to this point, which is, you know, Goku tracks down a dragon ball, gets into a fight with somebody to obtain it, obtains dragon ball, moves on. Now we've got this weird sort of tug of war over, over the dragon balls and the dragon radar, all just so that we can go to penguin village and I'm wondering if maybe that's why. It's possible. But yeah, that's um you know, the, the the you look at the arcs before this, right? We had the 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 Pilaf arc, obviously, our introduction to all of this, right? And then you get the training, and then you get the Tenkaichi Budokai, and then you get the the Red Ribbon Army stuff, and that's where we get our first like real and evil antagonists. And yeah. each each one of those three kind of changes and shifts things and pushes things in new directions and does something different. And I feel like this one, if you consider it as an arc, just kind of doesn't as much. Also, you know, <clears throat> that our main antagonist is sort of offed by a crossover with a gag character is an odd decision. So yeah, it's, it's just not my favorite stuff in Dragon Ball. Yeah. Up to, up to this point, And for a lot of the Dragon Ball stuff after this, like this is a, this is a low point for me, honestly. Yeah. It doesn't even have anything uh, cool and cathartic and emotional. Like we're going to get in the fortune teller Baba saga. Yeah. Or just, a really good villain like we'll get in our next episode <laughs> kind of it's it's like it's he's introduced in what the last five seconds of our next episode but... that's all he needs that's all he needs <laughs> that is a character we'll talk more about him but just to just to play on us talking about general blue right now that's a character who who i think plays even after i've now learned a little bit more about him the way Blue always kind of played. Like, he's a character who has a lot of kind of silly femininity things about him, but it's it's just pure happenstance. Uh, we'll explain more, but Tao Pai Pai means, like, pretty, pretty peach or something like that. And that is, like, that's definitely... I mean, that's... That's playing off of like, oh, he's a pretty, pretty peach. And then he's like this badass. <laughs> exactly. He's like the first like legitimate threat the Red Ribbon's thrown at him. Yeah. Hey. Uh, what now? Well, do you find it odd that for a while our opening discussions used to dovetail into our topics and now they don't seem to be doing that anymore? Cosmic coincidences. You think this stuff is planned? Scripted? Written out? What kind of lazy hack would just throw a bunch of static nonsense instead of getting the show on the road? 
I don't know, someone who understands the need for new episodes but is taking a breather from trying to come up with a new story after a huge blow-off finale-type episode? Maybe it's like the Dragon Ball anime, where the major, where after the major climax to an arc, you get a few episodes of everyone just sort of getting it back together before the next big thing raises its head as a challenge. <sighs> Great. What? Well, my mental condition is deteriorating even worse. Now, the crazy sides of me are going crazy as well. Do you even hear yourself right now? How could I if I'm just a figment of your imagination? Huh. Good point. Listeners, as I contemplate how my brain can hear itself, I'll take my leave of you. Can I overcome this crippling guilt that has caused me to spawn a new bikini in my mind? Aw, you feel guilty for thinking you killed me? That's so sweet. Shut up. Anyway, can I overcome it? Will I just fall deeper into depression? You're depressed over losing me? That's touching. Ugh. Shut up and let me sign off. <sighs> I forget what other third question I was going to ask. You know what? I wish this was all being written by someone so I could have somebody to blame. Anyway, find out next time and help us achieve our final forum. by Tom Gwelly. It is performed by Dan Kinney and Tom Gwelly. Our webmaster is Dan Kinney. Our theme music is provided by YouTube content creator GVG Kit. Want to learn more about the Dragon Ball universe, including concept art, behind-the-scenes interviews, and recommendations from Jelly and Bikini? Connect with us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Final Forum Pod. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you receive your podcasts. And of course, make sure to share with your friends and family and help us spread the word of the glory of Lord Frieza. The Frieza Force thanks you for your listenership. 